you can now support me financially with a small monthly donation. If you do, I pledge to use your money to buy yarn and coffee. Follow the link in my Instagram bio or in this episode's description to learn more. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Crochet and Through Medical History. I am Maria, here to crochet and talk about not medical history today. Actually, I am here for part two with the interviews with real life sick people that I did last week. Um, I think I mentioned I asked in one of my Lyme groups if anyone would be willing to talk to me, and a lot of people were. So that was really really great however it also means I have like five people's interviews <laughs> for you so today will be interviews with real life sick people Lyme edition Gimli's being really loud back there I'm so sorry he's been a little bit crazy this week quick intro Lyme disease is a tick-borne illness caused by the bacterium Borrelia burgdorferi um and I was really overwhelmed by all of the answers that I received in, like, a good way. I really, really appreciate everyone who was willing to talk to me, both in today's episode and in last week's episode and in any episode that I do an interview. So, super, super thankful. I hope that you today, listener, can learn a little bit more about the Lyme experience. I know that I shared my story kind of last week but there's just such a wide array of experiences that mine is you know different way different than everyone else's so um yeah I'm really excited for this I hope that you can learn a lot as well I there is a lot this is gonna be a long one but I really hope that you listen to the end and that you can learn and yeah, I just want this to be a resource to help the world know what Lyme can do to a person because it's really, really underestimated by most people. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for today's episode. And I appreciate it if you are listening and please stay till the end. I would really, really appreciate it. I guess um, I'm crocheting a lemon hat for babies. Let's get into it. What was your initial reaction when you were diagnosed? First, answer to your first question was my initial reaction uh, to it. So this is a little bit complicated because I had to come to my diagnosis on my own. So I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and then I went to hyperbaric oxygen center because that's what I found on PubMed when I looked up um, treatments and clinical trials for fibromyalgia. And there they had tick posters because it's used for Lyme disease of course and for the first few times I thought oh no that's not me I don't have that and then as I kept going because I was doing um, three sessions a week for 40 sessions I kept seeing the posters and I remembered that I'd had a tick bite 11 years before when I was living and working in Malawi I work as a research scientist I was working on TB vaccine development in Malawi um, and I'd got a tick bite, I'd seen the tick, and I was correctly diagnosed with acute Lyme, 
but treated with what we now know is an un um sorry um inadequate amount of antibiotics inadequate dose and inadequate length of time so um so anyway i remembered that i'd had it I, at the time i thought that's it it's done it's nothing more to know i didn't know there was anything more complicated than that with lyme even though i have a degree in microbiology and immunology and i'd studied all the strange and scary diseases that i might come across when i lived in malawi before i went um and you know didn't come up against any didn't come up into any information about it so uh so eventually i sort of remembered and at the same time i didn't the my fibromyalgia diagnosis didn't make any sense to me i felt like something had been switched on and it must be able to be switched off not that this is just now a, something i have to live with forever because life with all this pain and fatigue was in, intolerable um so it was sort of a slow realization of my own of maybe this is it and i have I had the records on my computer thankfully I had all the records from the clinic so i could go back and look at my uh, clinic letters from the doctor and um, took myself off to a functional medicine doctor and through him got testing specialist tested at army labs in germany now when the results came through i asked him to send them to me because the appointments were 600 pounds an appointment so i didn't want to spend any time dissecting them with him i got him to send them to me beforehand and i went through them um and had to interpret them on my own they're not really written for the consumer they're they're written in lab terms which you know for me is fine because I'm a lab person but uh when I got to my doctor he didn't really know how to interpret it you know I could tell he didn't understand the results he couldn't understand what was on the paper so it's sort of funny because I didn't get a diagnosis I formed it myself from seeing the results on paper and understanding them and you know even that wasn't so easy for me even though this is my field um and um and uh and then he agreed with me <laughs> so there wasn't really a moment of someone saying you've got Lyme disease um and then I started using the herbal protocols from Marty Ross's website called treatlyme.net I'd been following his webinars online because I, you know, I couldn't travel to the US to see him was too sick and then in the pandemic so that was around 2019 that I got the testing and started his herbs herbal tinctures uh, for Lyme and Bart and then in 2020 because of the pandemic he opened very briefly to telemedicine and I, I got in with him as a clinician as a patient then he reviewed all my results and also agreed with me about my um, that I have Lyme and Bart so um, it was kind of a slow thing. There wasn't really a moment. What did happen all through 2019 was, although I could see my results black and white on paper, I was positive to two strains of Lyme, uh, negative to Bart, but a lot of my immune responses were negative. Every, all my T-cell responses were negative, even the positive control, and I spoke to Almond Labs about that. It had anything else failed on that run, and they said... Um, no, you know, really just my immune system was buggered. And uh, and I've used my own cells in setting up my own experiments for sort of 15 years before this because I, I worked in academia. Um, and I know my, my T cells were fine and they did respond to, to the standard positive controls. So they're just really, really immune suppressed from Lyme. 
So for me throughout 2019, even though I had it on paper, my functional medicine doctor, who's not a Lyme specialist but sort of knew a bit about Lyme, conferred, conferred with me, um, concurred, sorry, concurred with me, um, I still had, and I started the herb treatments, you know, I still had these doubts. I still, because no, I think it was because nobody in any official capacity said, here it is, you've got Lyme, this is what you need to do. I was coming to it myself, so I was 48 by that stage, and I was um, perimenopausal, so I was also thinking, is this just menopause, am I being a wimp, Um, is it, um, is this burnout? I'd been in a really stressful job for the previous two years, and which is what allowed the, the latent Lyme and Bart to come out. You know, is this burnout? Is this what a midlife crisis looks like? I had all these sort of things floating around my head, all these doubts, even though I had the results on paper, black and white, and I had, um, I was treating, I was treating for Bart by my symptoms, even though the tests were negative because everything failed, my T-cells failed. Um, so yeah, there was just this long period of really, um, you know, messing with my head of like wondering, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? And it took me, I would say, you know, a good six, eight, six, eight, ten months to really convince myself and be confident that, that I was on the right track and this is what I was doing. And then six months later I got Marty Ross and, and he confirmed everything and we've been treating ever since. Um, so it was a bit of a trip really, the whole the whole thing about working out my diagnosis and you know, trying to be confident in it and trying to make sure I was right, um, but not having anyone official telling me. I think that's that was quite difficult. Um, that's the answer to the first question. Sorry, it's not quite so straightforward. <laughs> I felt shocked to have so many things found in the labs. I cried. Then I felt a sense of relief and validated for the years I searched to finally have a real cause. I was angry when I learned how it could have been treated in time and for how many doctors dismissed me. From there, the fear set in as I learned more about it. My initial reaction was one of relief only because I was not educated on the illness. I thought, wow, thank God, now I will get better. Little did I know that that was so far from the truth. After 10 plus years of cascading immune diagnoses, head scratching, frustration by my doctors and myself, I felt relief. Then I researched, then came grief and fear. In 2021, my husband had just accepted a position in Florida and we were more than excited to move from the frozen tundra of Wisconsin and start a new life. I'm from SoCal originally. I had just lost my mom, his mom moved to Minnesota, and our youngest was in college. We had been the primary caregivers for our aging parents for several years, plus dealing with my ever-worsening health. So this was to be the start of more fun. And that's where a lot of the grief came in. Instead of new friends and new creative outlets, I'm in bed a lot and researching therapies. Ugh. I'm just incredibly grateful to our new doctor who suspected Lyme when he reviewed all my health issues. I wouldn't be able to walk, read, write, or have the cognitive improvements that I do now if he hadn't put it all together. My initial reaction was a feeling of relief mixed with skepticism. The infection has been around for so long it turned IgG. 
I wondered, was there something else behind all my symptoms? Disclaimer, um, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or whatever, but from my understanding, um, IgG generally just means that the infection has been around for a while. IgG is longer, like weeks, months, even years after the first infection, whereas IgM infection is the one that is that's the immune response that shows up like right away when you get infected. So I think she was just saying that it had been a long time that she'd been infected and sick without knowing that it was Lyme. What are your top survival strategies for your condition? So your second question, top survival strategies, I would say uh, have support around you. Make sure your partner, your family understand what's going on. My, my family don't really. They know I'm sick. They accept it, but they don't really understand. Um, my mum my still thinks I'm treating a tick. <laughs> um, but at least they're not doubting that I'm sick. But the key thing is my husband. My husband, especially since lockdown and we were both home together working from home, he really saw it. Before that, he knew I was sick and he was really helpful, but he didn't see, you know, he'd go off to work and he did see that I was working from home, but basically not moving from the sofa all day. Um, as I got sicker, I worked more and more from home. And then when lockdown hit, they sent me to work home from home completely because I've got asthma and that was deemed high risk. And that's actually been very helpful. So I guess leading on from that, survival strategies would be... Um, whatever adjustments you can make to make your life easier. When we've moved from this, from London to the country, to fresh air, to nature, uh, to quiet, to less pollution. I mean, no pollution here. We're right by the sea. And working from home means I can really flex my hours. Um, uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me has probably been um, resilience. I've had a lot of um, a lot of counselling, trying to build and maintain my resilience because as the disease has gone on longer, it's, I'm in my sixth year now. Um, it's um, I've become, you know, becoming less resilient instead of more used to the disease. I think with all the counselling now, I've become, I'm learning to be more resilient. When I was naturally quite a resilient person, but really only with a, an end in sight. And as it became more apparent that there really wasn't an end in sight. Uh, it became very difficult to keep being optimistic. Um, Trigger warning in this next section, Lynn talks about suicide and suicidal ideations. If you don't want to listen to that, skip ahead about three minutes and 45 seconds. If you're on YouTube, I will put a timestamp right here. Other ones are be aware of the psychiatric effects of the disease especially Bartonella but also the psychiatric herxes that can happen when you start treating I had quite severe ones with even with the antimicrobial herbal tinctures I had sort of episodes of almost being a, a being obsessed with suicide for a few hours after each dose but then after four hours it would go like it was completely normal everything was normal and it hadn't happened so it wasn't it wasn't me, you know, it wasn't me being upset or depressed or anything. It was just like a, a wave coming over me. Um, and ob obviously that's quite dangerous. And then when I started Rifampin, I was suicidal daily for about the first two to four months. I was, luckily I was at home with my husband by this stage. You know, we were in full COVID and 
as you know, probably literally crawl, not literally, but crawling up the walls and tearing my hair out. You know, I couldn't stand being inside my own head and I couldn't take myself out for a walk, which was the, the best thing to do to alleviate that. But I just couldn't. I was in freeze. My nervous system was in freeze. So I guess leading on from that is uh, learning about the fight, flight, freeze nervous system states and really how to work with them and how to move through them and that we do move through them several times a day and it's not a you know we might move through them 20 times a day it's not that you get stuck in one or if you move out of it you you know you have to be prepared that you might move back into from um from like a green free zone into the red freeze zone Uh, i had some very good very expensive counseling around that doesn't always help when you're actually in it but when you come out of it I suppose it helps um so I think the key thing is having support knowing that it's the bugs it's the cytokines you know they're binding to receptors in your brain there are cytokine receptors in the brain that are activated when we have all this inflammation it's not it's not you Um, and then you know I think to be practical, making making sure you've got money to pay for all this stuff. I mean, I've worked through all of this and that's been hell. I'm taking a few months off at the moment because I finally couldn't continue working, but I've spent the last five years working through it because I needed the money to pay for everything. I've spent about probably getting up to around £75,000, £80,000 at the moment since um, 2018. And I'm not rich. I work as a scientist, a research scientist. Um... I've got into a lot of debt on the assumption that if I spend up front on, I just got lots of credit cards, then I will be able to recover and work and pay it back. And that has sort of worked, although of course all my money goes straight out the door on treatment. Um, <coughs> um, doctors always say give up work because it's stressful. And I understand that that's stressful and that can undermine the recovery. On the other hand, yeah, we need money to treat. So just caution, caution around that. That's a, that's a really complicated decision. Yeah, sorry. Make make sure you've got support. Make sure you've got money. Be aware of the psychiatric hoaxes. Uh, I'm sure there are lots of people, blind patients, the suicides that happen every year. I'm sure lots of them probably happen in that grip of that. I think if that happened when I was younger, I might have done that. But of being older and a bit bit more aware, and just a few you know longer years on the planet helped me not give in to that those urges learning everything i could to understand the disease my symptoms solutions and treatment empowered me focusing on my mindset every single day and making sure i leaned on my support system envisioning remission my go-to survival strategies are to try with all my might to stay positive that i will and i can get through this doing whatever I can in my power to feel good. We recently moved from New York to Florida so I can enjoy the warm weather and the sunshine. Be able to walk barefoot all year long to ground me. I have a niece who is able to do reiki and healing sound bowls for me. I do whatever it takes to stay focused. It's not easy as the malaise sets in all the time. That is an evolving process. But here's what's helped me so far. Research everything before you do it. No doctor has all the answers, and it's important to understand treatments and options. Different modalities at different times. Try to be aware when something needs to change. No sad books or movies. Count my blessings every day. Acknowledge my feelings, but don't let them rule me. 
and all the time, Epsom salt baths, autoimmune diet, detox, lymphatic massage weekly, dry brushing, and low pressure hyperbaric chamber. I also take a mix of peptides, Chinese herbs and supplements, plus low-dose naltrexone, and I just restarted low-dose methylene blue. Plenty of sleep, minimum stress, super clean diet, no gluten, sugar, dairy, fast food, fried food, etc. Anti-inflammatories, including Thorne Mariva, Circunum Phytosome, and Glutathione. The list goes on. What is the best thing to come from your condition? The best thing to come from my condition? Well, this is a tricky one because I've never been someone who's wanted to say I'm grateful for my disease um, because it's given me the meaning of life like people do because there has just been so much suffering. I mean, it continues, but um, there has just been so much suffering and I just don't think it's worth it and I don't think that I didn't have meaning before and I don't think I didn't have purpose before and I don't think that I was a a better person or a kinder person. I don't think the disease has made me anything better than I was before in terms of my contribution to the world or my, you know, ability to um, leave a kind imprint on the world, the things that matter. What I would say is that uh, I've realised I'm stronger than I ever thought I was. I've realised I'm smarter than I ever thought I was. Uh, It has given me perspective on work-life balance, that's for sure, because working way too hard under enormous pressures that ran my immune system into the ground and allowed me to get this ill. And also because I've been forced to stop now, finally. I am spending time, you know, in this a lovely time at the moment with spring, actually just going out and seeing the flowers, noticing the flowers, hearing the birds, um, really slowing down and taking in nature. I mean, that sounds like a cliche, but that's what has happened for me. Um, and I'm enjoying life more. I think probably it's a turning point in how I see the rest of my life. I'm 52 now, so I've probably got a few more years on the planet, maybe decades. And I guess it's been helpful for turning that switch from everything being about all about work um, to actually living a life that's for myself. I mean, it's easier said than done. I know I have to reintroduce work fairly soon. Um, But at the moment, that's probably the best thing. The other thing is actually all the people I've connected with. I've connected with a lot of doctors, most of whom haven't been very helpful, some of whom have, but actually a lot of complimentary people who've been amazing, really kind, very, very skilled um, and very committed to treating me as a whole person and, and helping me get better. And of course, also the Lyme communities online, particularly Lyme Disease UK and Rise Above Lyme Facebook group, who um, whose admins there are incredibly committed and very helpful. And I think it's just connecting with people who, um, well, on a humane level, you know, they know the struggle and they understand they've got their own struggles and um, I'm not particularly good at connecting with people who just want to uh, splurge all of their pain because I I can't take that on. I've got my own, I understand it. I understand they need to do it, but I can't take that on. I'm much better at engaging with people who are, more focused on being proactive um, and that's quite a, a positive life force I think um, I haven't met these people but I feel like I know them they're all on Facebook it's all on chat but it's been a few years now and 
yeah, they've helped me enormously and I, you know, I hope I help other people. So I guess reconnecting with humanity uh, in this harsh world is probably one of the good things that's come out of it. The best thing to come from having this disease, finding myself and learning my strength and true purpose in helping others. The best thing that has come from this condition for me is I'm able to help others. I'm able to educate my friends and family how dangerous that one tick can be. As a result of social media, I've reached out to many who have in turn reached out to me for guidance. This is the only thing I can take away from this condition. Faith over fear. My relationship with God has taken on new depths as I have navigated the grief and challenges of this illness. I've learned that I need to put the burden of my fear in God's hands, which frees me up to heal. It's a constant challenge because I'm already an anxious woman. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Lamentations 3.22 Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Romans 5.3-5 My sense of humor. I've moved from feeling horrified at the fact of these bugs invading my body and brain to at least making jokes about the alien invaders. Still horrified, but with a far side flavor. Closer, deeper relationship with my husband. He's an amazing man, period. The best thing to come from my condition is knowing the real value of good health. The old adage, you don't know what you have until it's gone, couldn't ring more true. Nothing can replace good health. Also, meeting new folks who've gone through a parallel struggle is a joy. Note from me, especially the past few weeks, that last statement has been so true for me. I've been able to connect with people with more life and Lyme experience than me, and I've been able to learn about their lives and leech off of what they know, and that's just been really, really great. What do you wish the general public knew about your condition? Okay, general public. I wish they knew just how serious this could be. Um, I wish they knew just how real it is. I wish they knew about the controversy. Um, so it's not just us fighting to be heard. Um, I wish they knew the truth. You know, it can, it's, not, it's not hard to catch and easy to cure. It's, it's really the opposite. Um, and really what I wish is that medical education would change so that we can change the prejudice against Lyme and chronic Lyme in particular. Uh, it all starts with the education of the doctors and, um, and that can be medical school but also in yeah, the continuing medical education that established doctors have to go through. I would just love to see that change because I don't think, I mean some of them are definitely against it and I think we're all lunatics. I don't. I think a lot of them, the vast majority of them, just a bit wary of the whole subject because they've heard something about the controversy, so they don't really want to be aligned with it. But if they were presented with the good data and the good evidence from a source that they trust, like their training, their official training bodies, then they would change their minds. Um, I think most of them probably want to be on the right side of history, but. They just need an official sanction, just like I needed an official diagnosis from somebody looking, you know, authoritarian or authoritative, more like it. So I do mix up my words. I was very articulate before this, and now I'm not so. I wish people knew how serious Lyme is and how a person 
who hasn't need support just as a cancer patient would receive. I wish the general public took this seriously. I wish they could understand it's not just round a doxycycline to get us better. I wish they knew it can and will steal your life as you knew it. I wish they knew that the reason I don't want to socialize is because my body just can't handle it. I wish they knew that every day brings something new. I wish they knew it's not just Lyme. Big deal, I had it too. It is a big deal if you're chronic and suffering from co-infections. I wish they knew we go broke because health insurance won't acknowledge this illness. I wish they knew it could kill us just like cancer can kill you. I just wish we weren't labeled unlike people who suffer from cancer. I just wish more people simply knew. It's a serious, life-threatening illness. I'm daily facing the fact that I may not live as long as I once thought. I have neurological Lyme, so my identity is under attack. Who will I be in another year? I'm already subtly different than a year ago. Please be kind and patient with the new me. Sensory issues are real, as are the neurological changes and emotional roller coaster of daily living. Exhaustion is real, not imagined. My body simply doesn't have enough energy for all the daily living tasks. I love words of encouragement and hugs, not unattainable promises of heroic support. A helping hand once in a while is like gold. Meals, laundry, a ride. Sometimes I can't drive because the world is spinning. Please contact your representatives and encourage more funding for research for Lyme disease cure, education, and medical assistance. It's close to impossible to get disability benefits, and most people simply don't have the financial resources to deal with this disease. The good doctors are very, very expensive. Most insurances don't cover the treatments that work. Most doctors are abysmally ignorant about Lyme disease transmission, symptoms, and effective treatment. I wish the general public knew the degree of cognitive impairment that Bartonella brings. It's like you're living and functioning in a world that's completely different from everyone else. It's isolating and maddening. Note for me, again, I want to say um, Lyme disease usually travels with other co-infections, they're called. Uh, these commonly are Bartonella, Anaplasmosis, Babesia, Mycoplasma, Ehrlichia, and a lot more. I personally had Lyme, which is Borrelia, Bartonella, and Mycoplasma. So Lyme rarely travels alone, and a lot of the Lyme, Lyme symptoms and experiences are also Lyme and co-infections that really wreak havoc together. Are there any groups or organizations related to your condition that you want to plug? For organizations to plug, it would be Lyme Disease UK because I'm here in the UK um, and they are a small patient-led charity to do incredible work given they've got their own struggles. Um, but they do they do very good work. So the Lyme Disease UK would, would get my vote. Um, of course, there's the Global Lyme Alliance who are amazing as well and ILADS, but just um, I guess I'm aware maybe I'm a minority of people responding from the UK, so I would like to plug Lyme Disease UK and its founders and the people that run it now. Rise Above Lyme Support, Education, and Advocacy Group and website was created to be the most comprehensive resource available for Lyme patients today. Patients are welcomed with kindness and compassion. We provide all the support a patient needs to empower them, a place where you know healing is possible and that you are never alone. It is a huge help to have all the fabulous Lyme and co-infection groups out there on Facebook. Rise Above Lyme Facebook group, 
and Love Hope Lyme, What Family Members, Partners, and Friends Who Have a Chronic Lyme Survivor Need to Know by Fred Diamond. The webinars by Dr. Marty Ross are incredibly helpful. Also, Dr. Richard Horowitz's book, Why Can't I Get Better, is insightful, but a lot for the brain to process. Big thank you to Lynn, Jessica Devine, Susan Ann, Sharon, and Laura for answering my questions, and even more people that were willing to talk to me. I wish you all the best on your journey, and I hope you find the help and support that you need. And please know that I look up to all of you for your advocacy and resilience as you fight for your health. And I very much appreciate you talking to me. Thank you, listener, for joining me and listening to the experiences of these amazing women. If you know someone with Lyme, go ask them about it. I'm sure they'd be so happy to talk to you and educate you if you want to. And I think that would be just really encouraging for anyone that's going through any illness or condition or disease to just have someone ask how they are and ask about their experience and really want to learn about what they're going through. That's the best thing that you can give someone if you don't know what to do for them. As for you, I hope that this past hour has encouraged you to learn more about this misunderstood disease. Um, like last week, all of the resources that were mentioned today, I will link below. Please check some of them out if you want to learn more. Otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a good week. Bye.